And there's a list. If you haven't, if you uh, have opened, you should So you picked up the beavers, huh? <laughs> I don't even know. I didn't even look at the story, but it's, it's got airplanes and beavers in the title. So, um, uh, <laughs> well, you guys have heard, uh, heard, heard, well, and you've been out here, uh, talk about the big ditch yeah. that runs around Wichita. Yeah. It runs right along the east side of, uh, of, uh, Mid-Continent Airport, or Eisenhower, as I call it now. Uh, well, somebody used it as an emergency runway. <laughs> Put an airplane in it. Really? When was, when was yeah. this? Getting it out of there has got to be an interesting process. Yeah. David, when did, when did this happen? Just the other day? Uh, I didn't get enough of a report to know whether that was this morning, but it looked like it was yesterday. Okay. Huh. Uh, yesterday evening, and I imagine when I dive into it and get the details, I'll find out that the guy was either on approach to the airport or climbing out of the airport uh, because the big ditch is just right there underneath you when you're coming in, and lots of open space, nothing smooth. Yeah, <laughs> nothing. I'd want to land it. Well, uh, a tricycle gear in, but, and it looks like a light sport. The, the little photograph that the uh, website had uh, showed a uh, uh, canopy, bubble canopy, and two of three really thin, long propeller blades. So I'm betting it's an experimental or a light sport. And I tell you, man, you got to, you just got to be careful flying these little airplanes. I know, really. It's just, you know, if God had meant for, you know, um, it's, uh, yeah, but as far as the smooth ground is concerned, I don't know, maybe the guy wasn't familiar with the, you know, from being on the ground, because I would imagine from the air, it looks pretty enticing. I would imagine there's some long, straight, dry stretches that said, there's my spot right there. And, uh, and uh, it's only when you get down on short final you go, oh, well, maybe I'm going around. No, I guess not. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I, so I take it, but otherwise it was a relatively successful forced landing from yeah, what you could no, see. No, uh, no injuries. Nobody went to the hospital. Uh, no word on the airplane shape. Uh huh. Yeah. All I saw was a little bullet point, and I'll dive into that after we're done. Interesting. Did you guys see this? So it's the second item on the list here. What is it here? I, yeah, I'm, I'm queued up for that too. <laughs> is it? So I don't know. Is is this real? All right. So according to this story, this particular guy in this particular airplane. Well, are, are we rolling yet? Oh, we've been rolling for a while now. We got David's story, and we're yeah, we're, we're just segueing. This is going to be a this is going to be a free form Thursday. You get to go, George. Uh, yeah, really. You get your uh, editing uh, yeah. uh, money. So, earn, earn your editing money this week. So according to uh, Catherine's report, which as I understand it is a fairly reputable uh, – uh, It's consistent. How about that? <laughs> consistent. Anyways, because the story here is that this guy, one particular guy in one particular airplane managed to crash it. And I'm going to use the word crash. Crash this airplane four times in eight days. I, I, I just – I mean let's just put aside for a second what this – the questions this raises about his piloting skills. Okay. Um, let's just say that after the second crash, I probably wouldn't fly for a little while. You know, I mean, I'll just let go. Okay. I've had enough for now. I'm going to stop. 
Um, you, you're, you're, you've got this teed up, Jeb, for, in what regard? Tell me well, your I've thoughts. Got, what do you I, think? I've, I've, I have something similar. You do? Have you yes. crashed four times in eight days? No, no, no. Okay. It's something, I, something that was in, uh, in the uh, uh, most recent aviation safety. Yeah, I have some quotes from the NTSB. You want to go? I'll read them right now. Yeah, please do. So we 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 didn't we hadn't really gone in detail about um, this guy. So um, the, the, the these quotes are about this guy. And no, these. they're not about this guy. They're about a different airplane, a different okay. accident. All right, go ahead. Um, but in, in looking at Catherine's report here, I mean, yeah, um, four, crash four times, incident or accident, um, substantial damage in one of them. Um, before like the third one, the second one or something, I, you know, and the guy ended up ditching this in, in Lake Michigan or something. So anyway, um, these are direct quotes from the NTSB. Okay. Quote, two empty beer cans were found in the front left floorboard area near the rudder pedals. A rodent's nest was found inside the left wing. A significant amount of cobwebs were observed in the engine compartment. The airbox was clear of obstructions. A large mud dauber nest was found in the fins of the oil cooler. Okay. The ELT was found in place with battery acid residue on the outside of the case. An automotive battery was installed in the airplane. That's a direct quote from the NTSB. And to top it all off, he had an automotive hose um, running from the gas collator to the carburetors, uh, clearly an, like an automatic uh, um, uh, hydraulic hose um, manufactured in July 2013, according to the NDSB. Um, and what brought the airplane down <laughs> yeah. was, um, quote, organic debris similar to insect cocoons was found in the fuel strainer which was mostly full of a liquid consistent with 100 low lead. The fuel fuel tested negative for water. Mostly consistent with 100 low lead. I just love that. (laughs) I mean, because that's what I'm going for. Exactly. Exactly. When when I test my fuel, yeah. Yeah, the guy's blood alcohol... Uh, was was elevated, shall we say? That's what I say. His, his blood alcohol was also mostly consistent with one hundred. He blood. he was killed, sadly. Oh, okay. Um, uh, see, all right. Now we're making. Jo- uh, see, what have you done to me now? But but still, I mean, come on. And, and the, the way I titled this was was uh, every rule of the book. But um, he had three passengers. Yeah, they all survived. Well, okay, that's good. I mean, so, he, uh, all right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Mostly consistent with 100 low lead. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff out there. So, there, yeah, there are people who I see, you know, I don't know. In pop culture, some might consider this to be romantic. This is kind of like, yeah, you know, the, the, the barnstorming pilots, you know, it's like Robert Redford fixed the wing of his airplane with a piece of his handkerchief and a strip of duct tape you know i mean right that's from the movie he did that right and that was you know because that was showing that that uh that uh what was his character's name in that movie um Buffalo. waldo pepper waldo pepper waldo pepper was the had the right stuff right you know and uh but maybe no maybe we shouldn't do this um the uh four four crashes in eight days guy let's see now 
Yeah, and this is recent. This is just recent. June 26th of 21, aircraft landed gear up at Brackettfield Airport in Laverne, California. Um, on June 27th, which is like the next day, aircraft veered off runway due to an electrical issue and lost use of landing lights. All right. And that's at uh, New Mexico. Keep now picture this. He's coming this way. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? He's on the move. Uh, that's twenty seventh. Um, then July second, which would make that what five days later, aircraft landed hard and veered off runway at O'Neill Municipal Airport in in Nebraska. So he's not headed your way. It sounds like to me like he's going to Oshkosh. I don't know. Um, and then uh, um, and then finally, well, in Lake Michigan, right? Yeah, July fourth, two days after the third one. Uh, he uh, apparently uh, l- landed in the water. Apparently, was doing a, la- a water landing, but his gear was extended. And an that- emergency water landing. Oh, it was an emer. But you're in it. But this was an amphib, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 So, what makes if you're in an amphib? What makes it? An, I suppose if you have no no engine, maybe that would make it an emergency. In any event, he 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 for whatever reason he landed on water, but his gear had extended somehow, some way, and and that's never good um, when you're landing on the water, as I understand it. Jeb, you're the you're the float plane pilot here, but uh, well, if it's an amphib, water landings you generally want your gear retracted. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways. But apparently this well, one, there's a post down here on Catherine's report from quote unquote unknown it said the guy says identifies himself as the airport manager. Okay. At one of the airports. Yes. And at some point he's just detailing all the, all the stuff that was, was going on here. Oh my, look at this. Yeah. And, and said the feds talked to him, I guess FISDO people. Um, the guy had a repairman certificate. And a private pilot's license, okay, and he could—he's legally able to work on the airplane. He's legally able to fly the airplane. Um, so the FAA he said verified his credentials, verified that he was barely current, but he was legal. They said they had to let him go. They, you know, they, they couldn't stop him. They had no reason, no legal basis to stop him. Well, if ever we needed to apply careless and reckless, I don't know, um, but. Uh... Well, okay. you know, I'm sure this would, has not seen uh, its its uh, yeah, well, finale. It's you know, although it sounds like I was going to say the airplane doesn't maybe no longer airworthy, but it sounds like this guy is going to, you know. Well, there's airworthy, com- and then there's airworthy. Yeah, exactly. Some combination of his uh, his his skills as a as an airplane you know mechanic and his his uh, you know I don't know modified standards for what's acceptable. This may fly again. Anyways, it's only been, what's today, 15th. It's been 12 days. He's overdue for a crash. Well, so, you know, um, <laughs> maybe he actually got it where he wanted it. Uh, so to speak. Yeah, I know. huh? All right. Well, be careful out there. Mostly consistent with 100 low lead. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't even, I don't know why that tickles me so, but it really does. Welcome, uh, it, folks. Yeah. yeah, Welcome, folks. To Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson coming to you from uh, high atop. I was going to say high atop. I'm no longer high atop. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm fast along the banks of the, uh, the roaring Cochico River here in, uh, in Dover, New Hampshire. How do you spell Cochico? Interesting that you should ask. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, it's C O 
Cochico, C-O-C-H-E-C-H-O or C-O. Oh, so, come it, on. so it turns out that there was an, a spelling early on, and I, I'd have to look it up to figure out which is which. All I know is that it was spelled one way in the early history of the area when the Europeans first arrived. All right. And then, as it turns out, somewhere along the line, the spelling changed. And you'll see around town that there is signage. Sometimes it's spelled C-O and sometimes it's C-H-O. Um, and someone did some research to figure out why this is. And it turns out that the reason that for that is that somewhere along the line, like a hundred years ago, someone submitted some paperwork, corporate paperwork, all right, where they spelled it quote unquote wrong. All right. Um, and the, and the, so the alternate spelling stuck. Um, and so if you go around town and read the history, you'll see it spelled both ways. You didn't want that much information. Did you? No, I, 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 that's, that's great. Yeah. Um, the Cochico yeah. river. Um, where I'm just, uh, you know, kind of things are chugging along here. It's, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, we're definitely into summer and I'm um, looking forward to heading over Oshkosh in a week. And that'll be nice. There's trains coming through town. You can probably hear that. I can, if I can hear it, you can hear it. Cause it turns out you guys hear these things before I do. Um, keeping busy trying to get things finished before I, uh, I leave for, for, um, air venture. Um, I've been, uh, been working on, uh, um, the around the field newsletter. I think I mentioned last time that I've revived the around the field newsletter ah. and, uh, uh, in the most recent issue of the around the field newsletter, I wrote about, um, for, uh, a handful. I wrote about some of my thoughts on the upcoming Oshkosh. Um, I, I wrote about a few of my memories of past air ventures. Um, and, uh, I also, in this issue, give a suggestion of a cool place to go flying if you're in the California area. So uh, um, it's around the field. It's the people, places, and airplanes of general aviation. And it's a more or less weekly email newsletter. And it's free, and you can sign up for it by going to aroundthefield.net. Cool. That's my plug. That's what I'm working on. See, that's where I, I snuck in what I'm working on. Uh-huh. That's what I was doing uh-huh. there. I'm here in my, my, uh, my, my, you know, for a bunch of episodes now, I keep saying my virtual hangar. It's not my virtual hangar. It's our virtual hangar. It's everybody's well, virtual no, no, hangar. Oh, no, well, okay. Maybe it's everybody's. I think it's our three th- three of us. It's our virtual hangar. But I'm talking to my uh, my two good friends. Uh, that first voice, that's uh, Jeb Burnside coming from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. How you doing, Jeb? What's going on? I'm all right. Um, got through Elsa without any huge problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, haven't but haven't done any flying lately. Um but that too shall change. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, just trying to take care of some things around the house and uh, getting geared up for the next issue of uh, Aviation Safety. Cool. Very yeah. cool. Which is sadly going to keep you away from Oshkosh. Which, which in, that's in, in part going to keep me away from Oshkosh, yes. Yeah. So um, the things you do for your art. Um, you know, um, this the semi-retirement thing is... <laughs> not working out, I think. It's, no, it's it's not. I don't I don't know what to do. And speaking of semi-retired, no, not at all. Uh, my other good friend here in our virtual hangar is uh, from the air capital of the world, Wichita, Kansas. That's Dave Higdon. Good morning, David. How are you doing? Doing okay so far, Jeff. Yep. Jeff. Yep. Uh, just started drizzling outside, and I'm hoping that it doesn't last long because I've scheduled my yard to be cut on friday and really don't want to wait until next week when i'll need my uh, hip waders to get through the tall grass Mm -hmm. yeah and my uh neighborhood hawk is over in my side yard uh feeding right now about 40 feet past the window 
and I think it can hear me. <laughs> okay. It, what? It, yeah, I start talking to you guys, and it looks around and looks at the window. Like, hey, who's you, you're infringing on my breakfast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as you told us last week, uh, uh, David, you're also going to miss Oshkosh this year for personal reasons. Um, and uh, But this will you – know, so I'm sorry. I'm trying to find a silver lining here for the sadness of that I'm not going to see you guys in Oshkosh. One silver lining for you, David, is that it seems that you've been really busy with work. And so not picking up a whole pile of new assignments at Oshkosh will maybe give you a chance to breathe. I don't know. Uh, actually, I got a nice long list of uh, business chores and honeydews that I'm going to try to accomplish a week, uh, none of which involve walking long distances or standing for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And uh, th- that should work out. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I've i only missed this puppy one other time in the last 30 years. And, yeah. Uh, I... Uh, I, I agonized that whole week about not being there uh and i hope i don't put myself through it again this year uh just you made the decision stick with it it was the right thing to do get mm-hmm. over it yeah and they'll, they'll do it again next year and uh yeah. well that's you know another part of my rationalization is you know there's going to be a bunch of airplanes a bunch of people there's going to be an air show every day um there's going to be a lot of stuff to look at, um, um, you know, unless someone comes out with a hover car that'll do 250 knots at 10,000 feet. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm that not would be, sh- that's your threshold for a good. That's my year. that's my current th- that's my threshold this year. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, it's it's a lot of it's going to be stuff I've seen before. Yeah. You know, so. I, I will. I don't know that I'll miss the show itself. I'll miss the the networking, the opportunities, the people, uh, the, the typical. Uh, uh, hey, have you been? You know, been a, been a while since we've seen you, kind of thing. Right. How come I always see you here and not anywhere else? And you know, those those kinds of interactions. Yeah. Um, and yeah. But yeah. I was just going to say, you know, one of the big factors in my decision making uh, process re- this year regarding this is that this will be my 30th consecutive Oshkosh. Um, and uh, that's a streak that I've been protecting very proudly over the years. And, uh, and uh, you know, of course, last year, well, of course, it doesn't ca- last year doesn't count completely because I, I didn't choose not to go. Nobody went. It didn't happen. All right. And so I get to count this as still a consecutive streak. Um, I don't know. We'll have to appeal to the judges. No, 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 no. I absolutely. But here's the part that this is the part that bugs me. All right. Is that by sheer luck. All right. My, well, by, by somewhat chance, my first air vent, it wasn't air venture back then. My first Oshkosh flying was in 1991. All right. And the result of going for the first time in 1991 meant that it was easy for me to tell what year, what year of the streak it was, how many years I've been going, because the final digit of the year, year. told yeah. me the number. All right. right. So, um, so every time, you know, it's like, Oh, it's, it's uh, 2017. Well, that means this is my 27th. All right. You know, and, uh, um, but now because we missed a year, everything got out of sync now. All right. And so suddenly 21 is going to be my 30th year. And that just 
this is all a great conspiracy to confuse you. Yes. Well, and it's working. It's working. But yeah, so I'm going for that reason. I'm also going because I just, uh, you know, yeah, I miss it. And, and we all miss it. And I'm, I'm sorry you guys aren't going to be, but I understand. It's understandable. Anyways, um, and just so uh, everyone knows, um, there. Um, so we're going to do a really restricted, uh, obviously, uh, UCAP presence. Um, um, I will do some dailies. Whether I do a daily every day is a question. Um, and I'll probably get you guys on the phone at least once or twice to just kind of check in and see how you're doing. <laughs> in the form of a daily episode. Um, and, uh, we're not doing a Sunday morning, um, probably because I won't even still be there by Sunday morning. Um, so there's no, no Sunday morning live show like we've been doing in the past. Um, but just follow the stream, stay in touch with the stream, stay in touch with our Twitter, um, for things that are going on there. Um, but the, it's important for me to say that, that there, there is no UCAP tie down party this year. Um, yeah. and I'm sorry to tell you that I know some people I've heard already heard from people who've, who've been, who are sad by that, which is kind of touching, but, uh, um, because of the scheduling thing, um, there's a real possibility that none of us will still be there on Thursday night. So it's just not, it wasn't a doable thing. Yeah. So, uh, um, I have every expectation the tie down party will return in 22. And, uh, um, but that's, that's the situation for, for, um, for UCAP at Oshkosh. Um, you're leaving something out though. What did I leave out? We, 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 we you're, you're going to be giving us, um, daily reports on the prices of aviation engine oil. That's right. Not? I will I will let you know about I will now you let you know about price and availability. That's and true. Sh- and yes. shipping. Yeah, yeah, shipping yeah. costs. I'm going to yeah. start there'll be a Twitter account. It'll be it'll be okay. oil at osh yeah. Twitter okay. at sign. Okay. Oil at osh or something. Hashtag. Ha- hashtag oil at osh. There we go. Hashtag oil at osh. All right. That's official. Hang on. I got to write that down. Um, <laughs> okay. Oil uh, was that hashtag I got oiled at Osh? Yeah, well, that could happen too. Wouldn't be on the first time. But wait a minute. Hashtag oil at Osh. Is it oil at sign Osh or oil at Osh? I'm not sure if you can put an at sign in the middle of a hashtag. Sign, yeah. We'll see what happens. Or just Anyways. Oshkosh oil. Oshkosh oil. Okay. That could be misinterpreted too, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Don't forget. Don't forget. This has to be. It has to include shipping. Has to include shipping. I'm sorry. Will, uh, okay. All right. And shipping will probably be cheaper than flying up there to pick it up. Yeah, Sounds that's true. You, Sounds. You good. miss all the side benefits of flying I, up there to pick it up. I know. I know. Um, Jeb, you apparently want to torture me on the subject of high wing versus low wing. I and I had no. I I. I don't care to torture you. I, I think the article. Oh, no, no, no. Time out. Time out. We know that you love to torture me. You may not care to torture me in this particular instance, but <sighs> I just keep in mind I know where you live too. All right. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. I I don't have a constructive um, co- comment. Yeah. Response. So. But you put this on the list, and uh, you you specifically said attention, Jack, on the list. Um, which is best, high wing or low wing? I have not read the story. What does the story say? Um, well, I haven't read it lately either. Hang on a second. Um, it goes into the differences, um, how, uh, you know, a large cargo plane, for example, you don't, um, uh, I should say may not want, um, the wing spar to run, um, through various locations to make things easier to load. You may want the wings high, in fact, to make it, to, to help load it. Because uh, you got forklifts and trucks and all that kind of stuff when mm-hmm. it's on the ground. Yeah. Um, 
you may get more cabin space with a low wing, depending on the design. Um, a high wing is makes a very good bush airplane as opposed to a low wing. Um, low wings also don't make very good seaplanes. Um, okay. So things things of this just kind of you know considering all of the of the basic ramifications, um, but um, it, at least in my view, you get down into the light piston GA side of things, and um, there's not that much difference between say a Warrior and a Skyhawk or an Archer, or, or uh, um, you, you get up into the. Um, let's say a Bonanza versus a, a 210. The performance is pretty much the same. The the the, the numbers are, are pretty much the same. It's it's more about um, the engine it has uh, often than it is about any anything else about the airplane as far as what determines performance. Is there's the the quick answer is there's no right answer. Yeah. Okay. That's what you say. Uh, <laughs> no. Well, I, uh, yeah, David, go I, ahead. I, I can't quibble much with anything Jack uh, Jeb said, but uh, there are specific circumstances under which you might want to swap the wing uh, before the incident happens. Uh, ditching the airplane on water. Yes. A low wing generally will float longer than a high wing. Well, uh, it'll float higher than a, a, a high wing. Well, the, the, uh, the high wing, the fuselage fills up with water and That's what down I mean. she goes. That's what I mean, uh, yeah. Low wing, the, the wing has got to fill up with water, and that doesn't happen as quickly as, as our friend Amy can testify, as quickly as the uh, cabin fills up on a high wing, uh, particularly a high wing with a big big ass six cylinder like she was flying that day uh crosswinds this is where i hear the debate the strongest when it comes up locally uh because we get some windy days out here Mm -hmm. and they're not always aligned with the runway and uh there are guys that will tell you that it's easier to manage a low wing in a crosswind than it is a high wing in a crosswind. Uh, I've never tried to make a scientific comparison, uh, but I have learned that if you know the airplane well, you can do a crosswind landing equally well in either, if you know the airplane well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There may be a, a higher limit on the uh, uh, demonstrated crosswind capability of a low wing because that's what the manufacturer tested it to. But other than that, the uh, the argument about, well, you can't see the ground. Well, I can see 98% of the ground from a low wing. No. And oh, oh, okay. just before I was gonna, it disappears uh, under the low wing. We finally get to the crux of the biscuit. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I it, promised uh, myself I was going to let you guys present your case. Go ahead, David. Keep going. It, well, I say, is it, you see almost everything that you see in a high wing and when you're flying a low wing, except a little bit of it will disappear underneath the wing as you go over it. None of it will disappear under the wing in a high wing. But I... Uh, 
I think it's easier to clear the airspace for turns in one than the other, and I'm not going to venture which one would really be the better in maneuvering in a pattern in terms of being able to see what's coming. Uh, because you, you're going to make turns in two directions. It's going to be blocked in two directions on either one of them part of the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's often a conundrum. Um, um, turning from base to final, for example, um, you can see out the right window, presuming this is a left base to final. You can see out the right window, see if there's anything coming in your direction in a high wing. In a low wing, it's kind of hard. Um, you have to look before you turn kind of thing, mm-hmm. as opposed to looking in the turn. Yeah, before you raise that outside wind. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, that's, that certainly makes some sense. My, my thing has always been, look, it's either got a high wing or a low wing. You know, it is what it is. And, uh, yeah. yeah, you have to be a little bit um, more aware of um, the crosswind when, when operating in a crosswind and a, and a high-wing airplane. Um, that's just the nature of the beast. And some of these slow wings, you know, with, with uh, steep dihedral, um, you, you, the air can get under those wings, too. Yep. So. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that you don't get with a low wing that is a constant risk in a high wing is the opportunity to run your forehead into the flat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I confess that's uh, as much as I love high wing airplanes, that is a thing. I've got that diamond shaped thing in my forehead more than once. You can can tell the student pilot in the FBO because he's got that waffle face tattoo on his forehead. And I, I have to confess that I've gotten it more often, more recently than being a student pilot. Um, so, uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> the other thing was I always kept tripping over the struts. The struts were always in the wrong place. Yeah. They're, they've got uh, Morgan right. I, you know, and I find one of my problems, one of my, maybe uh, I yeah. have to think about whether this is the biggest negative, but one of the things that I struggle with on a high wing aircraft um is climbing up there to fuel or to check the fuel to to look in the tanks um especially now that i've been you know back when i was flying 152s um it was relatively easy to to hoist. Kind of hop hop a couple of times you can see everything yeah yeah right hoist myself up there and uh and look into the uh, you know uh, pop off the cap and look in there and inspect it and with 172s obviously a bigger airplane higher off the ground and the the just to you know it, and I'm not quite as spry as I used to be. Um, no. So, so the, uh, the, the physics involved of hoisting myself up to the, the foot step, which is like pretty high up off the ground. And the, 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 the handles that you can grab are not really in the optimal kind of place for leverage and, and, and whatnot. And, and so I remember when I reached, when I returned to flight a year ago, um, I, you know, one of the first times I did that process, I, I, you know, it took me a couple tries to oomph myself up onto that step so that I could get up above the wing and, and I'm up there hanging on and I'm going, Oh crap, this is how I'm going to die in an airplane. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to fall off this thing on the ramp. Right. And break my neck. Um, and, uh, haven't yet knock on wood, but, uh, I'm old enough, been doing this long enough to remember when Cessnas didn't have the step. Oh, really? The yeah. Grab handle. 
um, you had to have a ladder. But or, then you had to have a ladder, and that they, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just you know, I mean, I'm always too lazy to go drag out a ladder just yeah. for you know. But, well, no, 172 and 182, it's not exactly big enough for your, uh, uh, what do they call them, little giant ladder. Yeah, a, a, a two-step step stool isn't quite big enough. Yeah. Right. Tall enough. Right. So, anyways. I, um, okay. All right. Well, there you hey. go. High wing, low wing. And uh, I guess, you know, ultimately, it's 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 the UCAP refrain, right? Um, it depends. Love the one you're with. <laughs> Love the one you're with. That's right. There you go. Okay. That's right. Uh, speaking of loving the one you're with, how's that for a how's that for a a, a segue here? Um, you know, we we support all sorts of kinds of airplanes here, and uh, if you in general like except what, except you know those except you know Moonies. <laughs> All right, Burnside, B-U-R-N-S-I-D-E. We completely left out mid-wing airplanes. Yeah, okay, let's come That's back true. to that. That's uh, true. <laughs> if you, uh, I'm sorry, I had something here and now I've lost it. Where'd it go? Oh, it's over here now. Um, if you like what we're doing with this podcast, please consider supporting it with a financial donation. Um, as little as a few dollars, seriously, it doesn't take much. A couple dollars um, a month really helps us uh, in being able to do this podcast. You can send individual donations to the UCAP tip jar via paypal um thank you to some of our recent tip jar supporters jonathan h michael f uh, D- david w uh, robert v and others um or you can become an automatic monthly supporter via patreon um thank you to some of our recent patreon supporters uh thanks to grant p don m jim b brian c steve d jennifer h timothy e patricia s Mark C, Jan S, and so many others who support us on Patreon. Um, we thank you very much. You guys are the best. The list of listeners who haven't supported us would be a shorter one. <laughs> no, well, sadly not true, but um, in any event. For more information on, 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 on for more information about providing automatic monthly support, you can check out patreon.com slash uncontrolled airspace or you can make a PayPal donation to the email address podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com. You can get all this information again by clicking on the box in the right-hand column of the UCAP homepage. That's at uncontrolledairspace.com. Thank you, everyone, for everyone who supports us. What's next here? Let's see now. I've lost. Where'd it go? It's over here. It's over here. Here it is right here. I have a confession to make. Um, I'm embarrassed by this, but I'm going to confess um, in it, to give you guys an opportunity to not only set me straight, but to tell the tale, uh, which sounds to me like an interesting and important one. I had never heard of Wally Funk before. I didn't know who Wally Funk is, was. Um, and uh, Wally Funk is apparently a woman um, and uh, a fairly notable woman, both historically and recently. Which one of you guys wants to tell me a little bit about Wally Funk? Jeb, you put this on the list. I did not. I did, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't know that much about her either. So don't, A, feel um, uh, uninformed or left out. I feel the same way. Um, Wally Funk um, was one of the first women back 60 years ago that NASA tested as potential astronauts. Um, she was, um, this was back in the, during the Mercury program, uh, in the early sixties. Um, so for whatever reasons, none of 
those candidates, including Wally Funk, ever was allowed to proceed through the the training program for whatever reasons. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, given the the times, we can we can figure that out on our own. Right. Um, she's now eighty two years old, um, and she was aboard, or she will be aboard um, the uh, Blue Origin rocket with Jeff Bezos, 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 mm-hmm. uh, when it supposedly flies later this month. Yeah. Um, she'll be the oldest person to reach space, quote unquote. There's some debate about where yeah. space begins and mm-hmm. whether these, these, uh, how should I put these, these celebrity launches will reach that limit. Um, but, um, yeah, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's just a very cool thing. It there's is. a lot there's a lot that we've learned in the last few years about early portions of, of NASA's space program um, that we just didn't know. And I didn't know about this at all. Yeah. David, any thoughts? Lady is a hell of a pilot and yeah. quite accomplished. Uh, she was the first female FAA administrator, FAA inspector the first female National Transportation Safety Board Air Safety Investor Investigator. 19,000 plus hours of flight time. Taught more than 3,000 people to fly. And she was part of a, a group of women that were tested, uh, that was tested privately. Uh, all the same tests that the... Uh, that the original seven astronauts went through, and she passed them all. But times being what they are and male chauvinism being what it was and still is in some places with some people, she never got to go into space. Now she's going to get to go, and I am so fired up for her. I can only imagine what it must feel like to, uh, to be retesting and getting all set up to... Uh, to be a participant passenger on uh, one of Jeff Bezos's flight uh, flights of fancy. So, uh, lady, good luck, yeah. Godspeed, and enjoy the ride. Yeah, take pic- take pictures for us. Yeah, take. Yeah. I'm sure they'll send us pictures. There, uh, you know, it's been fascinating to to follow this. I don't know how I want to characterize it, this rebirth of the space program in the last few years um, with all this private space stuff that's going on. And one of the things most dramatically different is the is the the, the sort of coverage of it is is so different. You know, those of us who are old enough grew up in the days of the of the Mercury Gemini Apollo programs, where it was covered pretty dramatically, pretty extensively on what was a much more limited television you know situation back then. Um, and uh, and now you know we've got like you know every time every time you know what uh, a SpaceX does a launch, there's like eight or ten different. YouTube live stream channels to yeah. follow it along. I mean, it's yeah. like you watch it on your phone and you watch it on your phone, you know, and you follow Twitter, uh, you know, follow a Twitter hashtag. And, uh, um, it's, and for the most part, this is a good thing. I think it's terrific. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm not complaining. He's always commenting. Yeah. And then the other thing we get, not only is the, is the uh, ground based coverage, but the onboard based coverage, you know, we see all these great, uh, um, you know, camera streams that are coming from the spacecraft itself, you know, and, uh, um, occasionally they break up because the radio connections are faulty, but then we see the recorded version later on. And uh, so just the coverage of this is just remarkable. Anybody who, who 
who didn't experience the the you know uh, Mercury Gemini Apollo days might not appreciate how great this coverage is. It's really pretty pretty amazing. And uh, so so um, so Wally, I would love to see Wally's pictures, whatever pictures she she c- captures. But um, I'm sure there'll be others. <laughs> It'll be a thing. Um, and and by the way, and you guys were kind of joking around, and I joke around too about the the how quote unquote finger quote serious these space programs are. Um, but um, th- this is a remarkable time to be following. It, 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 I, I, yeah, I, I minimize it. I make jokes about it. And, you know, and, and uh, all that. But this is you know the next big thing I think as far as space is concerned. Yeah, um, you know, you've got government sponsoring a lot of of you know. I will call deeper um, investigations of the solar system, of planets, et cetera. Um, and that's well and good and should be accomplished, should be done. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, to- then you've got, then you've got private, private interests that are looking at ways to, I won't, I won't say commercialize, but certainly access space more cheaply and more yeah. reliably. Um, and that's a good thing. You know, we need to be at harvesting asteroids. We need, there's a whole, yeah, you're right. That's a good example. And then there's lots of these. And to the extent yeah. that some of these programs are only going as high as a controversial definition of space, right. Right. Um, it, it's just we're early in these programs. I mean, that's yeah. where we are. Yeah, now. no, I, I, and, I agree completely. Yeah. You know, and I'm not criticizing you guys, I, but yeah. you're, you, you know, others do this as well. And they, and they, I don't, we, sh- we should be, this is really, this is cool stuff. Yeah, this it's very, cool it's very stuff, cool. All right. And, <laughs> Yeah, this, this is yeah. This is this is what the Wright brothers have wrought, if if you will. Um, yeah. I like it. Yes, no, I like it. Yes, it, um, it's true. It's true. They, and, they started uh, this. It's all their fault. And in a very real way, what people like Bezos and and uh, and uh, uh, Musk are doing is very much what the Wright brothers did, you know, I mean, uh-huh. adjusted for the technology of the times, um, you know, it's individuals who wanted to fly and who d- made it happen. Anyways, it's cool. David, you're awful quiet. Anything you want to add to this? Well, it's just reading some of the, uh, some of the texts is this Washington post story about, uh, uh, uh Wally and, uh, it, and it notes blue origin. That's the, space program of Bezos, who owns the Washington Post, by the way, Mm -hmm. uh, has said travelers must be able to endure three times the force of gravity for two minutes on ascent and five and a half times the force of gravity for a few seconds on the way down. Mm Mm-hmm. Hell, I can do that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Every time I go into the bar and every time I fall that's down, right. you know, it's like. <laughs> as long as you don't want me to bend from the waist, I can do this. <laughs> but in in one week, several years ago, I got to fly the uh, uh, the uh, T-6 Texan II. Really? At, at the uh, Air Force and the uh, uh, Navy used for their primary flight instruction yeah cool airplane and two days later fly in uh with the blue uh, i'm sorry with the uh uh, blue angels Mm -hmm. and uh, the g's that we hit on both of those flights go way behind five and a half times yeah for a few seconds yeah so i'm confident i could do this yeah well there you go it's but 
All you got to do is stroke a check, man, and and get in line. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit light on the twenty eight million, and, uh, and I'm too embarrassed about that to open up another uh, uh, GoFundMe account. I'm, <coughs> I'm afraid people would turn it into a Go F myself. <laughs> I think, yeah, right. Maybe this we we need a we need a UCAP a, a UCAP inspired GoFundMe um, that you know for uh, what you we could call it. Um, would Dave fly this? Fund and uh, I don't know something like well, that. Well, she and I share something else. It yeah. says in the story is a young girl Funk used to jump off the roof of her parents' barn in a Superman cape, pretending to fly. Uh, been there, done that, broke the ankle. Uh, got proof of it. Uh, I, w- I want pictures. Yeah, really. There's an image for you. Huh? Okay. All right. Good for you, David. <laughs> Good for you. Um, uh, finally, I don't know if this is finally or not. Um, I, I this is either a long story or a very short story. A 737 cargo aircraft ditched into the ocean just off of Hawaii about a week and a half ago. Um, what do you think? I don't know. Um, sounded like it was a pretty hairy situation. It sounded actually. like it was a pretty hairy situation. Something has to be majorly askew for a, uh, a jet transport to lose both engines. Yeah. Yeah, and we've we've heard it happen a few times, off and on. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. Is relatively apparently it was a relatively old aircraft, so you never know what. And it, and it was a cargo aircraft, so for all we know, you know, it was maintained by that four crashes in eight days guy. Um, <laughs> what, wasn't it a two hundred series? Is a two hundred series? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that is an that. Man, they stopped making the two hundred series back in the early eighties. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but this uh, ditch so. Yeah, so the, the to, you know to the extent they had problems, that's bad enough, um, and and they couldn't make it bad. Now some people are social media has been giving them a little bit of grief on the subject of why they didn't turn back to Hawaii instantaneously. Apparently they didn't. Apparently they, and I, I don't know what to make of that. They didn't uh, have enough altitude for that. Yeah. So well, I I saw something where. And there's there's eight recorded ATC on this available on YouTube and and uh, a bunch of other non-official uh, information sources, but according to something I saw, they um, took off, reported an engine failure, and the controller was willing to to vector them back, you know, pick a runway, any runway, kind of thing, and they said, now we got to run some checklists first. Let us circle out here. What? Yeah, Isn't that's it? what I heard too. Yeah. yeah, and which you know, when you think about it, yeah, it's a one twenty one operation. It's you know they've got checklists, they've got all this stuff they need to do. And like Jeb said, it, the idea that they would lose the second engine is yeah, so kind of yeah. inconceivable. So. I, I think a lot of it had to do with an overweight landing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure. You know, again, this will come out. Um, but they had some checklists to run, and while they were running the checklist, you know, the other engine decided to take a vacation. Now, you know, there's always the possibility of while they were running the checklists, they did something that um, screwed up the other engine. But um, you, 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 I don't know. Anyway, yeah. now let's um, add the other factor that I don't think we've mentioned here so far, and that is that this happened at night. Yes, right? this was at night. So they they ditched into the ocean. At night, in a 737, with no power. 
and they they hit hard and they hit hard. And that's yes, you're right, David. And that's the other thing I was getting to here. So now we knew from those reports that they hit hard. They now I've now seen first pictures. They've sent some remote operated vehicles down to to look at the aircraft. And it and it turns out that by the time it reached the bottom of the ocean, the airplane was in three pieces. Um, The airplane broke up somewhere on the process. And I don't know where, whether it broke up um, when it hit the water or did it break up? We've seen pictures of shipwrecks that they'll, they can break up when they hit the bottom of the ocean too. So we don't know exactly when it broke up, but this is a very violent thing. And that these pilots got out is kind of, and first of all, they managed to land it in such a way that they didn't die on contact is, is, is to their credit. And, and then that they were able to get out of the airplane, which was certainly sinking by this point. Um, Well, the whole section 41 came off the main fuselage. Yeah. Yeah, Section 41 is the cockpit. Yeah, uh, the, the forward the forward portion of the, of the fuselage is laying by itself on the ocean floor. Right. Every everything after the wings is is a separate p- component. Yeah. So you know the emergency exit was redundant at that point. I mean, <laughs> it just had go backwards and yeah, okay, maybe. Anyways, uh, you know, I don't know what to say, and, and we'll learn more about this as time goes on. Um, I you know you gotta gotta hand it to these pilots for managing to save yeah, their lives I'm, here. Yeah, I'm not. You know, the final final chapter on this hasn't been written. Uh, as far as, as I as I understand it, they're getting the they're in process of getting the flight data recorders in the cockpit voice recorder, which will be informative. Um, but everything I've seen is I don't want to I don't want to ditch a seven thirty seven at night over open water uh, over over an ocean. I don't want to do that. No, well, thank you. Hell, just getting around the pedestal to get out of the two yeah. seats up front is scary enough. Yeah. With water coming in, see many spare me. So, um, that's why we'll, I love it. We'll, le- we'll learn more, but these guys might have been the ace of the base. They, I don't know. We don't know. We don't, we'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're actually not reaching the end of our allotted time. We've got a couple minutes here. And so I'm going to, I want to just uh, touch on this one subject that I just think is, is kind of, Interesting. This is an airport that I would love to visit someday. I probably will never have an opportunity. All right, but I'd like to visit. I and I gave you a link to its airport, to its its airport web page, which is not going to be a lot of good to you because it's in French. Um, Some and I had a link at one point. I've lost it now. I had a link at one point to the Google Map that shows it. but uh, if you if you navigate your way to Paris, France on Google Maps, um, I see you're gonna have a hard time finding it. Let me see. I, I may I may trim this down edit wise. Let me find you the link. Huh? Where is the, the picture of Saint Cyr Aerodrome? Reminds me of the ramp at Le Bourget, where the Paris Air Show is, because it looks like it's got an aircraft on a museum display in the middle of the shot yeah yeah i'm looking at this on google maps and it's very interesting yeah so david did you find it on google maps uh-uh. all right hang on let me just give you the link here where to go here i'm going to here i'm going to zencaster i'm going to paste it into zencaster and hit return that link might take you to it in google maps so okay back back now um live on the podcast so, um, yeah, so this airport's cool. I found this airport. So I've been reading a, a novel, a, a somewhat historical novel, science fiction. It's kind of a long story. But it, some parts of it take place um, way back in the day at Versailles, which used to be the uh, the royal palace for um, the king of France. 
And so I was just kind of curious to visualize the area around Versailles. And so I was looking at it in Google Maps. And in the process of scrolling around, I discovered that right at the edge of the Versailles grounds, maybe even technically on the grounds, is an airport, which is a real airport. It's called the Aerodrome de Saint-Cyr-les-Cols, which I don't know, maybe that means something like Saint, I don't know what it means. I want to say Ecole is school. But anyways, Saint-Cyr-Ecole, L'Ecole. Um, airport in um, in France near Versailles, um, and uh, it's a real airport. It has a real it has hangars and a paved paved ramp area and airports airplanes on the ground. And apparently, there's a museum of some sort. Um, and uh, in in addition to its its location near Versailles, um, it I, one of the things I found really notable about it is that it is not simply it has no paved runways. It is a grass airstrip. All right, fairly long grass. A airstrip, but it's parallel grass airstrips. Yeah. All yeah. right, it's two parallel grass airstrips. So, so it's grass runways that have enough traffic to need two runways. Um, and uh, I just, that's, if this was a, if this was an airport in the U.S., I would find a way to get there because um, that seems pretty interesting. And uh, um, we have listeners all over the world. Um, and whether or not we have listeners in France, we certainly have listeners who have been to France. And I would love a report, anybody who knows more, more, um, you know, sort of on the scene, first person information about this airport. I think that would be, be well, it's got yeah, a it's restaurant cut, with takeout. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, yeah. And because three flying clubs, gee, many. I know. I know. This is, this what is pretty cool. The, the parallel runways with, with taxiways and everything marked, and it's none of it's paved. It's all dirt or grass. Yeah. Until you get to the ramp, and the ramp is Until all paved. Until you get to the ramp. Yeah. And the ramp's paved. Um, and uh, there is one. There is a, a taxiway that goes around the uh, end, the what would be the east end of the two yeah, runways. There's taxiways to the runway. There are paved taxiways to the runway. Right. So but the great. parallel taxiways are all unpaved, are all grass. And uh, yeah, this is cool. I thought I found this a while ago and I just wanted to call your attention to it. And, uh, and, uh, and listeners, I really truly would love to hear if you have any direct knowledge of this airport. I would, um, I would love to know more about it. Um, it's pretty cool looking. Sometime, some place I'll make sure to visit next time I'm in France. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. So, really, anyway, cool. All right. Well, thank you guys. It's a blast. It's always fun getting together, and uh, um, this is probably the last time we'll get together for a regular episode before Oshkosh. So I'll, 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 uh, you know, on the off chance that I don't see you guys at Oshkosh, I will give you a call and uh, I'll fill you in on what's going on and uh, um, keep an eye on uh, what did we just say? We said uh, hashtag Osh Oil. Um, will be, uh, I don't know what's going to become of that, but, uh, it might be something you never know. Yeah. Yeah. A large, tall woman with a whip. Um, um, okay. All right. Uh, that's Jeb Burnside. Jeb is a freelance aviation writer and editor serving as the editor in chief of aviation safety magazine. He's also a regular contributor to other aviation publications online. You can find Jeb's work at aviation safety magazine.com. His magazine is on Twitter as uh, av safety mag, and you can find up some of his other work at aea.net and avweb.com on Twitter. Jeb himself is Burnside J. And Dave Higdon is an aviation photographer and aviation journalist and the U.S. editor for London's Ab Buyer magazine. You can find his work online at avbuyer.com and aea.net. And on Twitter, he is Real Higdon. 
and I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. You can find me online in most of the usual places with the all one word username Jack Hodgson. For example, Twitter slash Jack Hodgson, YouTube Jack Hodgson, Patreon Jack Hodgson. You can find my ebooks on Amazon by searching for Around the Field in the books section, and you can sign up for my newly revived Around the Field email newsletter at aroundthefield.net. Hey, David, was there something you wanted to tell us? Yeah. Uh, I mean, aside from us three old farts, I uh, congratulations to Wally Punk because she proves that time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Have a good flight, lady. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. Real quick quiz. What's the difference between a duck and a co-pilot? Uh, I give up. What is the difference between a duck and a co-pilot? The duck can actually fly. <laughs> <laughs>